Planet Out oat milk is so rich and creamy. I love it in my cereal, but also in smoothies. With zero grams of sugar in Planet Out unsweetened varieties. But it gets even better. It's an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D that's delicious in everything. Mmm, including my lattes. Pick up the carton that has it all. Or visit planetout.com for more. Planet Oat. Be good to you. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. Hey, I'm Paula Peterson. I am sitting in for our friend Shalom Klein, who is off serving our country right now. As you know, uh, Tandem HR powers our good show, Get Down to Business. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Leo Goikman, who's the founder of Real Estate Uncensored. Welcome, Leo. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yes. And you have some exciting things coming up. But tell me exactly what it is that Real Estate Uncensored does. Perfect. So Real Estate Uncensored is a brand of real estate where we focus on investing. So we acquire properties, we pay cash for properties. So people that sometimes uh, need to sell their home, that don't want to list it on the market, they don't have the money to fix it, they don't want to list it with a broker, they don't want to have people come in their house in and out, they don't want to whatever. So we just come in there, we make them an offer, we buy it cash, we close quick, um, and then we Mm -hmm. go ahead and uh, move on to the next project. So that's essentially what we do as far as the acquisition um, of properties. And Real Estate Uncensored is also a podcast that we are launching that really, really focuses on uh, good business building strategies um, for the entrepreneur world, for the real estate investor who isn't sure how to get more deals, find more leads, etc. We really talk about positioning, branding, marketing, etc. So you're kind of two different businesses. You actually have the real estate sort of, um, if I use the word brokering or yes. real estate, are you a real estate agent? Uh, I am a broker. You're I'm a broker. A, yes, I'm mm-hmm. a full licensed broker as well as investor, correct. Got it. So you have that part and then you also have this consultancy yes. business really Absolutely. as well. So you're ha- actually can help people who people just in the real estate realm or can they be in anything really with the growth of their you know entrepreneur ideas or how does that work yeah no i i definitely work with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and business owners ultimately my message um, to the business world is that in 2019 if your face is not in front of a video camera if your voice is not in front of a microphone if you're not typing out blog posts or making comments or engaging people you are ultimately going to lose and I help companies, um, real estate and not, position themselves properly using uh, social media and platforms and positioning um, in the digital marketing space to grow authority and grow their businesses. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I like that. Um, so 
tell me now you're launching a podcast. I know it's called Real Estate Uncensored. What do you think? Uh, what do you envision uh, the, the, your podcast really talking about? Sure. So on the podcast, I interview highly successful entrepreneurs and business owners, mm-hmm. um, many of them extremely well-known, or we can say famous. Um, and I talk to them, A, about their story of how they became who they are, um, but also the importance of mindset, the importance of marketing, branding, um, you know, and how we are positioned in the world um, as business owners and entrepreneurs. And I try to take that message and provide it to my audience, which is, um, you know, everyone from a real estate investor to a real estate broker um, to other small business owners that want to learn how to market themselves in the proper way in today's day and age. That's excellent. If you're just tuning in, I'm Paula Peterson. I am on Get Down to Business. I'm standing in for our friend Shalom Klein. And I'm here today with Leo Goikman, founder of Real Estate Uncensored. So you were just saying something. You help people as a consultant to um tell people how to get themselves out there. What's your story? How did this happen for you? Sure. So in 2012, I was at a marketing event. Um, I have a friend, Joe Polish in Arizona. I ended up somehow um, being invited into a dinner that was hosted by a gentleman named Joe Sugarman, very famous author and sales guy. Um, And I happened to be sitting next to a gentleman who was a chiropractor. And at the time, I didn't know um, that that was Anthony Robbins' main chiropractor who traveled the world with him. And I ended up striking up a conversation with him and we began to work together. I ended up building some marketing platforms and systems for him. He ended up giving me a video testimonial and so on and so forth. My career took off as far as the consultancy side. I see. I see. Okay. So um, I don't know if you can actually talk about some of the businesses that you work with, but give me give me an example of how you would um, take a business and what where you would go with that. So I'm really really big into um, you know Instagram, Facebook, pay per click, um, and we are beginning to really dive deep into YouTube. So any business owner, investor specifically, or real estate broker, or a small company, mid sized company, what we essentially do is figure out what their message is, who their market is. And and how to position that message in front of that ideal um, avatar of who they want to serve. And we really, really focus heavily on Instagram, video, audio, um, and give them a framework um, to work going step by step into going from, you know, practically no one knowing who they are to the point where they're getting tons of engagement, tons of likes, questions, um, follows, and ultimately that leads to more business and growth. Got it. And how have you done that for your own business for Real Estate Uncensored? Right. So we, we're exploding on Instagram right now. I I live in the DM section. I network a lot oh. um, in Instagram. I do stories in Instagram all day long. I get About your properties and some of the things that you're doing and like maybe your inventory or how to s- tell me about that. You know, I it... it, it what I mainly do is show people the day in life of a full-time real estate entrepreneur. So it's from having meetings with developers and builders Uh to acquiring properties, to actually creating content and doing marketing and podcasting and videos. So I give people an insight into what the day of a real full-time real estate entrepreneur is like. Um, and I'm able to grow that way because people are engaging, they're watching, they're following. Um, and, you know, it, it's working uh, for our business. And that's how, you know, people started to reach out, ask if we can help them do the same thing. Okay, I got that. Um, tell me about where you want to go next. I mean, you have this business and real estate uncensored, you have a podcast, obviously, you know, you're here on get down to business, you know, that um, this is what we do. I mean, we are 
bringing different businesses to uh, our listeners and our audience. What do you hope to capture with your show, with your podcast? Right. Um, My goal is to um, attract the entrepreneur uh, business owner that either A, um, can partner on us with real estate deals. So for example, people that know of off-market deals that they um, either have themselves or they know of that we can acquire. So I want to build my real estate investing business by buying as much property as I can okay. wholesale. Um, and the second part is I really want to uh, connect with small to mid-sized businesses that really want to scale what they're doing by giving them a strategy and a platform to build using social media and digital and um, an overall game plan on how to execute and grow that brand. Okay. All right. I got it. Let, uh, let's go back to the real estate part for a minute. Give me um, an example of what you, how does that work? I mean, I think a lot of people are interested in investing in real estate, where the market is today, how that's working. Give me like an example of how, what you're seeing today in that arena. Right. So right now I'm beginning to see the correction of the market going from sell to buy, meaning properties that were on the market um, that last year or two years ago right now are not selling as quick. There are more uh, properties for sale being listed, but there's far more expired listings and canceled listings, which means Mm. that the buyers are not as quick to pull the trigger and they're not as interested, meaning that the prices are being driven down. And once that actually happens and the market corrects it, corrects itself, then the investors are going to have a field day. They're going to be able to come in and acquire properties for pennies on the dollar. And then what would their hope be? Would it be to um, to develop that, to resell it? I mean, where do you see that going? So depending on the strategy of the investor, if they are a um, buy and hold investor, it'll be an amazing time to grab the inventory, maybe fix it up and hold on to it and rent it out and um, generate some money that way. Or a lot of them will fix the property and they will flip it for a profit. Like I said, we buy um, tons of properties for a wholesale price, and a lot of times we sell it for a wholesale price. So we're not trying to get rich of any off any one project. Sure, we're just trying to add value to every single situation and pass it on to the next person. Where are you seeing the most movement right now, or where where has your business been concentrated in the Chicagoland area? So is that is that a valid question? I want to make absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Okay, because I think. As, as I'm listening to you, I would really like to know, like, I'm interested, like, what are these areas that this is really, you're seeing these, the, this movement in? So I'm, I'm buying a lot of homes in Lake County and McHenry, uh, uh, McHenry uh-huh. County. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely looking in Cook County. Um, so and, you buy homes and you buy commercial properties too as well? So right now we're focused on residential. Residential. Correct. That's good to know. Yes. Okay. We're focused on residential. Um, however, we do look at an, a 24-month uh, timeline to get into more multifamily investing um, and begin to go that route. Leo, what is the best way for people to reach you? Definitely on Instagram at Marketing with Leo. Um, again, Instagram Marketing with Leo, or they can go to Facebook. Facebook and find our page at Real Estate Investing TV. Excellent. I'm Paula Peterson. This has been Get Down to Business. We were talking to Leo Goikman, founder of Real Estate Uncensored. And you can join us each week at Get Down to Business to hear about more entrepreneurial stories. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, Leo. Thank you for having me. 
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, this show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. Paul Herbert, um, who is the executive director of the First Division Museum at Cantigny. Um, there is a very uh, special commemoration, and I'm thrilled to have Dr. Herbert um, as our guest. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. So for our listeners that have uh, that have not been following the McCormick Foundation's uh, fantastic uh, press releases and, and, and publicity about uh, the upcoming Battle of Cantigny anniversary, um, please enlighten us. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you. Tell us about the Battle of Cantigny. Yeah, well, um, we're named, uh, we're at Cantini Park in Wheaton, and we're named for a little village in France uh, where the first American battle of World War I took place on May 28, 1918, uh, actually till May 31st. Uh, and that will be 100 years uh, ago this month, uh, and, and it happens to coincide with the Memorial Day weekend, and so we're having a number of activities throughout that weekend uh, to observe that uh, very important centennial. Absolutely. So, uh, Dr. Herbert, tell, uh, give me a little bit of background on, on you and how uh, you've become such an expert um, and, uh, and a thought leader on, on this topic. How did you, uh, what's your story? How did you uh, become interested? Well, I'm a retired military officer, and, um, uh, and I've got a pretty good academic uh, background in military history. And for the last 14 years, I've been the executive director of the First Division Museum at Cantini Park, uh, dedicated to the 1st Infantry Division of the U.S. Army. So we tell 101 years of American history through the story of that division. Uh, we, we do that because our benefactor, Colonel Robert R. McCormick, uh, who formerly owned the um, Tribune, uh, among his many, many other accomplishments, he was a citizen soldier in the 1st Division in World War I. And so that's, he's the one who named the Park Cantini after the battle, and, uh, uh, and he's the person who uh, established this legacy of commitment uh, to not only our soldiers, but our service members and our veterans. So there is going to be a, uh, a large uh, ceremony uh, at 11 a.m., as you said, on Memorial Day weekend on May 26th. Coming up, it's literally right around the corner, commemorating the men who fought and died in the battle. What can people expect then? But also, what takes place beyond the commemoration? What, uh, what goes on? on a regular basis that uh, I think you are uh, quite, quite privileged to, uh, to live on, on a day-to-day, even, even aside for, uh, for special commemorations. Yeah, well, let me say one thing real quickly, that the special observance at Cantini Park in Wheaton uh, will be on May 28th. Oh, the May it. 26th ceremony is in Cantini, France. Ah. Uh, and so we're observing this important centennial uh, in a couple uh, of different places and at a couple of different times. But here in the Chicago area, it's May 28th. Now, there'll be things going on at Cantini Park all through the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and so people can come out there at any time. They'll, they're, we're having concerts and special events. The American Legion will be there distributing poppies. Uh, and it's just, it's a great time and occasion for people to visit Cantini Park. Uh, on a regular basis, the park is, is phenomenally beautiful. 
we're, we're re-landscaping it at the moment, so it looks like it ought to be closed because <laughs> of all the heavy equipment and fencing and things, but we're not closed. We're, all of our facilities are open. Uh, the one that I direct is the First Division Museum. Uh, we just did the first extensive renovation of the museum uh, last year uh, for the centennial of the First Division. Uh, and if I do say so myself, it's a fantastic museum. And if you have an hour or two, uh, and even if you have seen it before, but you haven't seen it since we reopened last August, uh, it's, it's worth the trip. Uh, interesting. So this is a uh, centennial celebration, 100 years. So uh, what, uh, if I may ask, what, uh, what has changed and what, uh, what do you see as, as uh, being quite uh, the same as, uh, as 100 years ago in, in, the, in the world of war and in the world of battle? Uh, obviously, you being a retired military officer yourself, I know that the First Division Museum, you have a number of displays and exhibits of some of the uh, vehicles and, and, and war, uh, war uh, tanks and, and other fleets. Uh, in, in, I'm, I'm curious what similarities and differences uh, you see between uh, uh, 100 years ago and now. <laughs> yeah, well, 100 years ago, uh, we, we, our, our army was organized differently than it is today. And I would say one of the big differences is that the, the periods between war and peace tended to be very clear. Uh, we declared war in April of 1917. We sent 2 million troops uh, to France over the next 18 months. Uh, we fought vicious battles that brought World War I to an end with the armistice in November of 1918. Uh, we immediately demobilized the troops, brought them home, uh, and there was 20 years of peacetime before uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor got us into another war. Uh, Today, it seems, uh, uh, you know, we're all very thankful that we are not at war, uh, certainly not a war on the scale of World War One anywhere on the planet, but our military is very, very busy all around the world uh, because it's protecting our security interests and the interests of our allies, and so it's a very busy military, uh, and sometimes that's uh, that's violent activity. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, often it's not violent activity. It's the presence of the American military. So that's a difference. Um, one of the similarities that I like to observe is that uh, in World War One, American leaders, officers, generals were confronted with an array of dazzling new technology. It 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 looks old fashioned to us. But when you think about it, uh, uh, trucks with motors instead of horses and wagons, aircraft, electronic communications, weapons of mass destruction in the form of gas, um, all kinds of new technologies that had not existed 10 years before the war. Um, and uh, our military is dealing with a, a similar uh, array uh, of new and, and sometimes sort of strange technologies uh, today, and so that's a similarity. Uh, the other thing that is similar uh, that hasn't changed a bit is that uh, in the First Division, in the Army, and then our armed services, uh, it's about brave young Americans who take an oath to go where we the people send them uh, and put themselves at risk on our behalf. Uh, and that that is why 
we make a big deal about Memorial Day and Veterans Day uh, and anniversaries such as the Battle of Cantini. Well, that's very, very helpful. Once again, we're chatting with Dr. Paul Herbert, um, who directs the First Division Museum. Um, the upcoming commemoration of, of the Battle of Cantini is coming up um, May 28th. If you want to get to France, it's May 26th, um, and I made that mistake, but uh, May 28th uh, in Wheaton, Illinois. Um, so uh, I'm wondering, uh, Dr. Herbert, so again, uh, you direct the First Division Museum, um, the First Infantry Division. Um, so what was it uh, 100 years ago? You, you've talked a lot about the war history, but what was the uh, First Infantry Division then and uh I'm curious, what is it uh, currently? Well, uh, in layperson's terms, a division is a team of teams. Uh, It's a very big military organization. It varies anywhere from 15 to 25,000 soldiers. Uh, And in that organization is everything that would be needed to operate on a battlefield. So it's not only infantry, uh, foot soldiers with rifles, but it's the artillery, it's the communications, it's the logistical support, it's the intelligence, the reconnaissance, the engineering, the aviation, all of the other things that makes that organization capable of doing many, many different things on a battlefield. That's what a division is. Uh, the first division is called the first division because it's America's first division. <laughs> we, we, we didn't have permanently established divisions before World War One. The first one we organized, we called the First Division, and it's been on active duty uh, every day for 101 years now. So, Dr. Herbert, I, I want to make sure we squeeze in um, the information or how people can learn more about the centennial celebration of the Battle of Cantini. How can people learn more? best way is to go to our website, uh, fdmuseum.org. That's F like in fox, D like in dog, museum.org. Stands for First Division Museum.org. Well, I hope our Go listeners will check it out, fdmuseum.org. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Paul Herbert. Uh, we'll be back and get down to business after this quick break. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. We are powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find their website, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510, 630-928-0510. Always love the feedback that comes in. Thank you for the comments, kind words about my little monologue and rant about the common themes of small business owners. I meant every word of it, because if I didn't, I wouldn't have said it. Um so uh, I wanted to talk to you about difficult conversations, and this is a theme that I'm going to continue um, over the coming weeks. Um, I get uh, probably more people that uh, I would use the Yiddish word of kvetch, um, but in, in English that would mean um, nag and complain to me about difficult conversations. Um, so there's definitely... Uh, people that uh, have challenges and sometimes it's people that constantly talk don't come up for error 
Sometimes it's accents. It's sometimes hard for people to understand. Disrespectful language, unfulfilled promises. These are all things that people have complained to me about, and I certainly have feelings on many of those topics. So um, not only do I have feelings about those topics, I also have strategies. And I wanted to encourage um, our listeners to actually, in this case, to kvetch. And that's, uh, once again, that Yiddish word for uh, complain to me. But don't call me with every one of those complaints. Go on my website, shalomkline.com. Submit your stories to me. You may just hear your kvetch and your rant um, on the air with me. So uh, the most common difficult conversations in business is with an upset customer. So I've discovered some strategies um, that work the majority of the time. But remember that some people choose to always be angry and there's basically nothing you can do to help them. But you can choose to remain calm and take nothing personally. So the, um, the first is regarding emotion versus logic. When a customer calls you with a complaint, they're emotional, they're upset, they're angry, disappointed, frustrated, or maybe all of the above. They're unable in the moment that they call you to participate in a logical conversation. The best way to understand this is to think about your life and someone close to you. Think about the last time you had a conversation with this person during which you were both emotional. Which one of you was listening? Exactly. That's my point. Don't try to engage the customer in a logical conversation until they finish telling you the story of why they're upset. I realize that this can make for a very, very long phone call, but remember, they are your customers, so you have to deal with it. Interrupting them is like fuel on a fire. It'll only serve to make them more upset and make a difficult situation more complicated. Speed. Upset customers will be speaking quickly, and this does impact how we should communicate with them. You can take advantage of the phone's ability to be a mirror by slowing down your own speech and maintaining a very calm, pleasant tone. The customer will be drawn to mimic you, and although this won't solve the customer's problems, it will improve your ability to understand them. And apologize. I know I'll get pushback on this piece, but apologize near the beginning of the conversation. When the customer has told you their story, told you everything about why they're upset, the first words out of your mouth should be, I'm sorry. Now that I'm not advocating that you take the blame for anything, you can't say something like, I'm so sorry, we never want our customers to have this experience, or I'm sorry that this is happening to you. What's important is that the customer hears an apology. The words, I'm sorry, have incredible power, so use it to calm the customer down, make them less defensive, and improve your ability to communicate. And move towards logic. In order to resolve the situation, your customer must be able to have a conversation, to listen to you, to respond to questions. They stay in a place of high emotion. This won't be possible. You have to do your best to guide them back to logic. And you could do this by asking them an open-ended question, a question they'll have to think about in order to give you an answer. This will prompt them to engage the logical part of their brain. You're not making any promises with this question, simply creating an atmosphere where a productive conversation can take place. So think about how you might be able to ask a question, and if you were asked that question, what would you say? And put your ego away. Dealing with an upset customer is never about who's right and who's wrong. It's about keeping the customer. Don't allow... Uh, your need to be right to enter the conversation will create animosity and miscommunication. And finally, finally, pick up the phone. Under no circumstance, if you hear a complaint, should you hide behind email with an upset customer? You need to hear their tone of voice. You need to ask questions and get answers in real time, unless, of course, you don't want to keep them as your customer. And that may indeed be the case. So think about those tips. Once again, summarize, you want to start with emotion versus logic, speed, 
apologize, the move towards logic, putting your ego away and picking up the phone. These are all the things that I've discovered that works well when you are in business and dealing with an upset customer. We've got a lot more coming up for you on Get Down to Business. Going to be joined by David Markovich of Online Geniuses coming up in just a moment. Lots of tips. I hope you enjoyed the business tip of the week. Once again, I'd encourage you to get on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can find other business tips, but also please do share your experiences with me. I actually do want to hear it, but uh, again, be respectful. We mentioned uh, that a moment ago. Be respectful. Share your experiences. I want to hear what they are. And more importantly, I'd love to hear how you have dealt with some of those challenges in your own small business. That's what it's all about. It's about sharing. Once again, check out our sponsors, TandemHR.com. They have a great blog with great experiences about the Affordable Care Act. And uh, you'll learn a lot, I'm sure. They provide a free consultation to every one of our listeners that calls. 302-642-5600. 302-642-5600 is our studio line. You can call Tandem HR, 630-928-0510. Once again, David Markovich, Online Geniuses, will be joining me in just a moment. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business. I'm thrilled to be joined by our next guest, David Markovich, who is an internet marketing consultant. Um, David, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me, Shalom. Absolutely. So uh, we'll talk about internet marketing. We'll talk about, uh, I know there's actually quite a bit uh, that, uh, that you have uh, areas of expertise in, but let's talk about the man behind the telephone. Let's talk uh, a little bit about your background. What kicked off your online career? Um, so I was always into... Uh uh, digital marketing or just technology as a whole. And I had the opportunity to work in uh, an e-commerce store just focusing on selling kids' socks. And it was uh, specifically good niche because there wasn't stores um, that had that type of inventory just because there wasn't that high of a markup. So what the company I worked for did was buy up every possible combination of socks, put them online, and um, people could order. So, like, if you needed, if you had a play and you needed twenty pairs of the same size socks, you couldn't necessarily get them in stores. It would be a really hard task. Um, from there, you know, ended up working for agencies, starting agencies, building tools, um, and so on and so forth. So I guess that's the genesis <laughs> of my marketing story. Uh, I love it. And um, if there's one word that I think that uh, you're associated with more than anything, it's a word slack. And slack is something that many of our listeners are likely very familiar with, but some may not be um, quite yet. Um, so tell us a little bit about slack, how you've developed uh, a, a sort of a, a area of expertise and, and why is it something that small business owners and entrepreneurs uh, should be paying attention to? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my background in Slack is during my uh, career in digital marketing, I met a tremendous amount of people who did what I did, and, and my dream was always to connect connect those people. So I created a small Skype community um, around like 50 people of 
of that I knew in the industry. And from there we grew and we grew till we hit like around 300 people and around like a thousand messages a day. Um, just word got out without any paid marketing and it, the community was getting too big for Skype to handle. And it was around the same time that this software called Slack was coming out. So I took the jump to create the, to move everyone in my, you know, Skype community of 300 people to Slack. And it was a way that we could break up channels and set mute certain notifications, highlight certain words that you get notified by. And currently the community that's on Slack is around 13,000 people. And we host, you know, we don't just communicate online. We also host events in person around the world. We've hosted events in Tunisia, Africa, Barcelona, Spain, New York, and almost every major city. Um, and what Slack is, it's an internal, it's a communication tool. It's not really meant for community building, but it's a communic it's a communication tool. So if you're sitting at a desk and you want to speak to accounting in your company, you don't have to go and pick up your phone. You could just type them a quick message. Um, there's a lot of built-in integrations. So they have like their own little app store. So it could, it could essentially be your, you know, the first thing that you open up uh, when you get into work because everything you need is going to, could and should be there. So you've been a very strong uh, proponent for the uh, for the Slack as a platform, but also you have um, you have uh, developed a uh, again a consulting practice where you are helping companies be more, become more effective with communication to uh, to to find uh, uh, experts. And um, you have also been uh, involved in a term called AMA. Um, which I believe stands for Ask Me Anything. And um, a lot of that has been around um, finding experts, really world-renowned experts on different topics and where, where small business owners and entrepreneurs and other people can find uh, and get access to those people um, really, really easily. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'll talk about, so like as a consultant in Slack, that, that happened by mistake. So since I was an uh, early adapter, in, in the tool, a lot of companies ended up hiring me since my team was so big on Slack that it was very unlikely that a company that would hire me would have more employees that would use Slack than I have, right? So because I have, let's say, 13,000 people, they wouldn't onboard, they wouldn't need to onboard 13,000 people. Let's say it's even 500 or 1,000 people. So I had, like, the pleasure of working with, like, Comedy Central and their sister brands and even Google in helping you know, in certain Slack challenges, building certain uh, Slack bots. And in regards to AMA, I would reach out to people that were in the space doing really interesting things and where you have an hour, it's free, to come in and ask the expert or the specialist in the field uh, any question you would like. And it's called an AMA, so to ask me anything. So you could ask them anything and mostly they, they usually make, they usually answer everything, uh, assuming it's in good taste. <laughs> and, uh, we, we had some interesting guests. So like we had, um, even non-marketing related. So we just brought in somebody who the movie War Dogs was based on, off of. And we also bring in other guests like head of integrated marketing at Red Bull and people of that sort. So you could get ideas and it's a really just a superpower lesson of, uh, of information. 
So you can come in and you can learn a lot about instead of doing like hundreds of hours research about to find a certain tool that could solve a potential problem for you. Sure. Um, you know, you could just ask them what they use. Oh, David, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to leave it there for just a quick moment. Got to squeeze in a really quick break over here. We're going to be back with David Markovich again, uh, Slack consultant, internet marketing consultant. In just a moment, uh, David, hang on tight. I'll, we'll be back and get down to business in just a moment. Welcome back. We have been chatting with David Markovich, who is a Slack consultant. Uh, David has demystified the topic of Slack and why it's so important and why uh, actually Slack is uh, perhaps in some cases a better platform than email. Um, we've been talking a little bit about his background. David, um, thank you again for, for joining us. So the other area of your expertise, we've been chatting about uh, how you have been involved in an effort to uh, to engage and recruit folks that are AMAs, ask me anything. And um, you are an internet marketing consultant. So in our remaining few minutes on the program, I'd like to ask you for your advice for a startup, a uh, small business startup entrepreneur that might be out there listening tonight. What tips do you have for somebody that's just getting going, just establishing their web presence and trying to obviously, like every small business owner, get the word out about their products or services. What tips do you have for a startup? Yeah, so if I knew the answer to that, I think I would be a lot more successful than I am now. Uh, but it's everything's industry-specific. So some you know industries do really well on Instagram. Others do really well on Reddit and Quora and writing blog posts and doing paid on either Facebook or Google. Um, but overall, you want to, every industry, and this is pretty agnostic, that you want your reputation and you want um, your reputation to be very transparent. So if you have, if you're a small business, reviews carry a lot of weight, whether it's on like Google or Yelp, um, even Foursquare, anything that has the ability for the, for stars to end up in the search. So if you Google Mike's Barbershop, you want as many five, many options, as many options to see the reviews as possible, even if that means yellow pages. So you could target some of your customers and say, hey, for these 20 customers, could you leave a review on Google? These 20 customers, can you leave a review on Yelp? These 20 customers, hey, we get a lot of visits from yellow pages. Could you leave reviews here? So when someone Googles your barbershop, they see all 10 results or even more if they go to the next page or at least a large chunk of the results have five stars, uh, assuming you're giving a good service and that, uh, that helps a lot. And, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of encouragement for people to use your service or become a customer or patient sure. or, you know, whatever you're trying to target. Um, if you get any negative reviews, answer them, address them, try to fix it. And uh, I guess that's a pretty good tip for small business. Sure, I know that's very, very helpful, and I know that um, that's helpful for small business owners. But you have um, you have been an avid public speaker at universities, um, various meetups, and large enterprises too. Do you believe that the same uh, lessons hold true for a small business that may not yet employ anybody, as well as for big companies like a Microsoft and a Google? Ultimately, is the same that same uh, lesson and message as well? Right. So with when I, so I mostly work in large corporations. I don't I don't normally work with small businesses. 
except if they're my own. Um, so with, with large corporations, they're usually siloed, right? So you mentioned Microsoft. Um, so they might have like Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, you know, the Office Suite. They also might have Xbox. And they also have, you know, maybe a tablet or they also have Windows. And at some point they had a phone. So, so with those, you... With corporations, instead of coming in and saying, hey, solve our marketing problems, getting more, you try to get as targeted as possible. You say, hey, where could you use the most help? And you, you know, you find a department that where you think you could be really strong in, going from there, find a strategy that works, try to promote, try to work with it across other, you know, corporation, other departments in that corporation. Oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. So, uh, David, we are uh, rapidly running out of time, and I want to make sure that people can learn more. Um, what's the website that we could send people to? Uh, you could just, I mean, pretty much everything online, online is updated, but um, if you want, you could check out the community. It's called OnlineGeniuses.com. OnlineGeniuses.com. Check it out. David Markovich, thanks so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. We'll uh, be sure to check in with you in future weeks. Once again, OnlineGeniuses.com. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday right here on AM560. What is the best university ever? Welcome to Iowa, where you can write your own story. Choose from over 200 areas of study, including a dozen programs ranked in the top 10. Roll up your sleeves and try something new. You never know where it might take you. This story is written, directed, and produced by you. Learn more at uiowa.edu.